0: This is Chip in Durham,
1: Erica in Edmonton, and Shannon
0: in Durham, and you're listening to episode 88 of the Audio Guide to Babylon 5, In the Beginning.
2: Why did it take us 88 episodes to get to the beginning?
0: <laughs> wah, wah. Well, we didn't have to wait this long. We had this conversation.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, we did.
0: Oh, God, did we have this conversation <laughs> nigh on four years ago. <laughs> Good golly. We had, this, to- we, we had this zero episode of the Audio Guide to Babylon 5 where we gave out, you know, our, our, our raisins detra. You know, we wanted to explain the show and, and and give people guidance on how to begin this thing. And then we went into spoiler space for the first time. Steven had to press stop on his recording. <laughs> and we talked about what the first episode we were going to cover on B5AG was going to be. And Why? it was a bloody battle. <laughs> <laughs> it was a tale of great strife.
2: <laughs> okay, yeah, that's enough. <laughs>
0: and we settled on The Gathering. Yes. But there was another first episode of Babylon 5 of sorts, and it was this TV movie called In the Beginning. Um, we are pretty sure that some of you out there listening have questions. We are, pretty, we are even more sure that our control group, who just suffered through the deconstruction of falling stars, has even more questions. And so we've brought them back. Hi, Stephen.
3: Hi, very much. It's been a a long couple weeks, so I'm I'm very happy to start from scratch, (laughs) as if nothing else that occurred in the past in Babylon
0: 5 actually happened, and we can start again within the beginning. And... And that is exactly what we're doing. Uh, We're dispensing with spoiler space on this one. We're probably even going to dispense on with the what you need to know (laughs) and in this episode stuff. Because it couldn't be any more straightforward. This is a prequel. This is the prologue to the story this is although it also um it, it also jumps in time a little bit and we see an old Lando Malori. uh so i bet steven one of the questions you might have is why does this even exist Chip, why does this movie even exist? <laughs> I am so glad you asked that question, Stephen. Well, I also want to
3: state that I don't want to say like cuz cuz I would have asked last week as episode, why does this episode even exist, but with an entirely different reason for wanting to know. But this is this is a legitimate question. Why did this movie get made?
0: Okay. Here's here's the story. When we talked about this a little bit towards the end of the pre-Jump Gate uh, section of The Deconstruction of Falling Stars, we're going back to 1998, which is almost 20 years ago. And, oh God, I'm old. Yeah, and, wow. <laughs> and Babylon 5 was distributed to independent television stations all over the United States uh, in a loose confederation called the League of non I mean, the <laughs> Primetime Entertainment Network. <laughs> Time Tracks and Kung Fu, The Legend Continues and Babylon 5. You know, in the end, all of those shows died except Babylon 5. Babylon 5 was the only one hanging on while the network fell apart around it. TNT, a Warner, a, another Warner Brothers subsidiary, said, hey, we've got four seasons of this stuff and we could strip it and we could run it on our uh, basic cable network all over the, all over creation that we think that would be cool more to the point there were people there were executives over at TNT who loved babylon 5 so they made the deal to syndicate the first four seasons and they figured that they needed to provide a jumpstart to get people excited about seeing Babylon 5, uh, to introduce it to, the, um, to, their, uh, to their audiences. And they thought that The Gathering, the original pilot movie, was kind of nah. <laughs> or NAF, or whatever yeah it was yeah. you know it wasn't it wasn't Babylon 5's best foot forward it's a fair assessment
3: no, no one yeah no one wants to introduce a new audience to star trek the next generation with encounter at farpoint either
0: <laughs> fair enough yep. although considering the gap between how babylon 5 looked during the gathering and how it looked uh, by the end of season 4 it might have been a fairer uh, contrast between like uh, showing off Star Trek The Next Generation with the trouble with Tribbles. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Bit of a gap there. So... And this is even before they got around to negotiating successfully uh, the completion of the show with a fifth season. At the time, you know, the question was, okay, how are we going to make the most of these uh, of these reruns of these four seasons? How are we going to get people to notice them? And let's let's do and let's do a couple of TV movies. So they uh, brought so they uh, signed the cast or most of the cast. Mm For a couple of TV movies, one called Third Space, which was actually filmed first, and we'll get to next time. (laughs) This is fascinating stuff. (laughs) Go on. And then this one, which was going to serve as a prequel uh, called, funnily enough, In the Beginning. And... By the t- and uh, by the time they got around to this, uh, it- they aired in the beginning immediately prior to the uh, stripped run of the uh, syndicated episodes. And I believe it also ran before uh, the fifth season, the weekly uh, showings of the fifth season began.
1: What do you mean by stripped?
0: Stripped meaning uh, that's a syndication term, basically running the reruns every day, every weekday. Uh-huh. Gotcha. So instead of so instead of a weekly run, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at seven p.m. or whatever time it was on TNT. I was afraid uh, you
1: meant they had taken something out, like stripped it out. I was like, oh. Mm. Um.
0: So yeah, that is what uh, that that's what that's sort of why in the beginning exists at least from a business standpoint. We'll talk about the narrative stuff, but. Steven, I believe that we are finally really into the phase of this show where you actually really do need to know some of the behind the scenes stuff. No spoilers, but some of the some of the stuff that was going on behind the scenes to get this show made to really sort of understand or appreciate what you're encountering.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm curious as the timeline because I, I've 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 done so much as look at the broadcast dates and season four, like like the previous three seasons, for some reason ended like five episodes left, like in the summer, and then picked it up in the fall, and basically the premiere of the next season happened essentially the week after the finale, quote unquote, of yep. the previous season. So when when was it determined or decided that um, they, like, did they wrap season four without a clear picture as to whether they would even be a season five? And when did that happen? Do you know? Uh,
0: I don't know the exact dates or anything like that, but yes, they wrapped season okay. four, which included shooting the series finale, which is tagged on to the end of season five. Now, mm-hmm. um, they they knew that they were going to do the TV movies. They did not know that they were going to get a fifth season. That was still under negotiation. <laughs> So
3: it's I find it amazing that they had time to, um, you know, wrap season four, but then find out that they were coming back, arrange a deal to show those old ep no show those old episodes, then find out they're coming back, then actually write and produce two entire TV movies um, before they presumably started production on season five. Is that right? Well, do you
2: get the if order. He- Oh, noticed out of order a little um, bit there. Yeah, there's that, and in the beginning, there's actually quite a lot of recycled footage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that that sped up production significantly.
0: Yep. Yeah, I and think you
1: had the the last two items on your list there flopped, flip flopped around. Steven, because, oh, probably. Yeah. Probably. Because as Chip said earlier, they started on these specifically just to promote the four seasons of repeats and didn't mm-hmm. know that they were getting a season five until somewhere in the middle of, you know, like they already knew they were making these at that point.
0: Right. Yep. And and to give you an idea of sort of the uh, how, they, how this all wound up fitting together, um, if you go back to the episode that you hated... Last time, Stephen, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, when they when the pundits are talking about uh, the history of John Sheridan and they're doing all of these uh, still shots of young Bruce Boxleitner on a um, on a on a rancher or something like that, there are also a couple of shots of a supposedly younger uh, Lieutenant Commander John Sheridan, which were taken from this very TV movie. Whoa!
3: Didn't notice that. This, this this movie was very much like a fever dream, and that some things looked somewhat familiar, and other things I had to have Erica explain to me the full plot of what it was referencing afterwards.
0: Yeah. So again, this is this is really difficult to just talk about the narrative um, because it 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 exists it exists to promote the show, but. Um, And I'm really hogging the mic here, but there's a story that Shannon and I, I think ought to share um, before we get, before we really get into the meat of the episode, of the movie, actually, is that I was a Babylon 5 evangelist when uh, it was first airing, and I was in graduate school, uh, and I actually Made some efforts to help the local cheap ass independent TV station promote the show and things like that. I was I was a believer. I was committed. I was I was basically <laughs> in the cult. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were excited that uh, TNT had given the show a stay of execution. We were uh, excited about the TV movie. We watched. Uh, We we saw uh, JMS on uh, Usenet and even America Online, I think, back at the time. He was really talking up in the beginning as a perfect jumping on point to get new people interested in Babylon 5. And swear to God, Shannon and I, we had a party. We had a B5 (laughs) viewing party. Nice. And many of the people who attended that party were... They weren't just not they. They weren't just not science fiction uh, Babylon Five fans. Many of them weren't even science fiction fans. Wow. <laughs> uh, and if I recall correctly, Shannon, maybe I've just got the rose-colored glasses on. But if I recall correctly, these newbies wound up loving in the beginning.
2: Um. Yeah, Shannon, what's your take? It, I'm trying to remember, <laughs> to be honest, because I think there was a reasonable amount of alcohol involved at some point. Um,
1: that, that's okay. You can still love something while you're tipsy <laughs> as can be.
2: No, I think my impression was it went over better than I was expecting because we had a, a a bit of a variety of guests, if I remember correctly. We had people from Chip's grad school. We had people from our church, um, you know, people who didn't know each other and, you know, that sort of thing. But yeah, um, yeah, there were several people who really, really enjoyed it and wound up, I think, catching up and watching the series. Um, you know, some others at least thought, you know, this is kind of entertaining. So.
0: Now, TNT immediately followed that with the re, uh, w- with the remastered and re-edited and re The Gathering. So you've got you've got two hours worth of in the beginning, and then two hours worth of the gathering, the original pilot with the uh, with with the changes, um, and that was when people that's that was when our guests started you know drifting away, um, but uh, but yeah, it, I I especially recall the the sequence before the battle of the line. Where Lando is narrating the the, the hopeless valor of uh, Earth as uh, the Mumbari are just inexorably marching on for the next two years. I remember a lot of the people, including the non-science fiction people, being kind of moved by that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So it was so it was a good experience, and I think it was successful as a introduction to the show Babylon 5 which brings me to the question I have been dying to ask Stephen for weeks and after this I'm going to shut up and let the rest of you talk because I've been monopolizing things but Stephen <laughs> mm-hmm. which would have been a better introduction to the show for you The Gathering or now that you've seen it in the beginning um, The Gathering Just
3: because, I mean, you know, it's by by TV standards, yes, production has moved on in four years. Um, So there's that aspect of things. But I found I really enjoyed this movie. It was really good and really well made. And there were parts of it that were, you know, it started out not really referring to itself too deeply. And so I was just kind of enjoying sort of the tale. But then once it sort of started working in its own mythology and its own sort of flashbacks to the future, if you will, um, from previous episodes, it's only then did I sort of like it was hit and miss for what I would remember and what I wouldn't. And you know how I feel about you know, Babylon 5 sort of coming back from the future and going, ah, oh, look at what we know. <laughs> you know, out of context, uh, uh, hint about future episodes to come. Okay, bye. You know, I, f- <laughs> I find that it's just kind of laughing at me a little bit. So some of the episodes I actually remembered, uh, like the storylines that they were referencing, but some, including the one at the very end, I had no memory of whatsoever. And so I just ended up being kind of confused. So I think it would have kind of confused people. Um, I, like, I like proper starts. To a, to a trilogy and not necessarily prequels, um, which is why I would start the Star Wars trilogy with the, you know, episode four as opposed mm-hmm. to episode one.
2: Yeah, the same thing. I think Eric and I were having a, mm-hmm. a agreement discussion on Slack with uh, the Chronicles of Narnia that the <laughs> publishers <laughs> yes. decided, you know, no, we're going to renumber these according to when they happened in the story instead of when C.S. Lewis wrote them. So there's references now in book one that you don't get because Mm -hmm. you haven't read books three and four or whatever it is so yeah i you know painful as some of the bits in it are yeah i agree that the gathering is the better beginning the better starting point for watching the series
1: but steven do you think that this movie succeeded well in, as much as you can tell I mean you've seen the whole show now but do you think that this was successful probably in its intent to get people sort of on board that have never seen the show before and sort of tempt them in to watch four seasons or at least some of four seasons of, of repeats do you think that it, this is sort of better for that purpose or do you think that TNT would have been better served to just show the gathering and have that be it um, keeping I, in mind think, that not everybody is you,
3: <laughs> right? <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> I I think this is an overall better looking production. I think you would woo more people in by just how it looked. Um, and I, I think getting uh, Michael Vejar to direct mm-hmm. it was such a great choice because you know he mm-hmm. it's just so stylish and so well done and so cinematic in its scope. Um, which kind of has to be because it's a big, it's a movie. It's a
0: a Babylon 5 movie. And he does such a great job of stitching together all of the um, found footage, I guess you could call it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, the thing—I suppose the good thing, so to speak, about the um, the lesser quality of the DVD rips is that you know there's been dodgy shots throughout the whole history of the show uh, on the DVD, just because they didn't really bother to to you know upgrade the um, the visual effects shots, even like simple dissolves um, are, are shots that look sort of a lower quality on the DVD. So there are times throughout this thing where I was thinking, is that reshot or is that is that just archive stuff i wasn't too sure at times um so there so there are elements of it that i think would entice a new audience but then there are also um like i have to admit for the first 10-15 minutes when basically no one in the production is human um, there isn't necessarily a character or or anyone to latch on or, or to sort of the to lure in the casual viewer I often forget what happens on Babylon Five? Because you know we watch an episode every two weeks, and by that, that's more than enough time for me to forget everything that happened—not only in the previous episode, but basically the previous season. <laughs> um, and so, I, I kind of appreciated going into this thing kind of fresh, and I thought, "Oh, cool! I don't have to remember anything that happened before." I'm, I'm going in as if I've never seen the show before. And the first few minutes of it, while I kind of enjoyed, I thought I was like a little bit—I have no basis in what's going on here. So that's why I kind of think the the you know, even the opening, the, the opening monologue of, of of the opening credits in, in Babylon 5 are actually a helpful introduction to, to mm-hmm. someone who has never seen an episode before. Interesting.
0: Erica, what did you think of uh, in the beginning when you first saw it? I was so excited.
1: I just loved it I remember watching this with my uh, my roommates Max and Jeff and we I mean we were we were so in the tank for Babylon 5 at the time that I think it probably could have sucked and we still would have enjoyed the heck out of it especially like you know just coming off of not knowing if we were gonna get any more Babylon 5 in the first place and just it was it was a relief I think to see something new on the screen um, that that actually appeared rather than was just you know possibly maybe promised uh but then um it also I think it did a, a good job at at what it was meant to do, which was you know give you a bit of an overall not so much of exactly what the series is for i mean they 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 uh, allude to the shadow war, so like you know that that 's a thing that 's coming, and you know you you learn who some of these characters are, but I think the thing that it does most effectively is sort of give you an idea of the flavor of Babylon 5 and the overall tenor of the show and kind of you know just what what the mood is it is a show about big ideas and it's it really is a story of you know heroes and villains and war and you know quote-unquote real true story all of those things so I think it I, I don't know for sure it if it would uh, have tempted me in having not seen anything else I suspect it would have but certainly coming at it after seeing four seasons of Babylon 5 and really really loving them it it served as like delicious icing on top of the the already really good cake it it was just kind of a nice little extra which I
0: loved Shannon your reaction to in the beginning uh, back then in the beginning and today
2: um I think back then, um, I, I think I kind of leaned toward, uh, Eric, what Erica said that this was, um, enriching. It was, you know, more detail, more good stuff. Uh, I, I I am, I am nothing if not a, a fan of various things. And, you know, I, I want the things like the fanfic and the fan art that fill in the gaps. This was Mm -hmm. something that filled in gaps. Um, so it was right up my alley, Mm um, and it still worked for me today. Uh, there's a few things that I slightly had to scratch my head over this time around, thinking, um, you know, but you know, th- there's some a little bit of retconning going on here. Yes, but you know, we'll we'll get to that uh, and talk about that shortly. Um, but yeah, I've e- even though some people were like very interested, and some people wound up watching Babylon Five uh, in our viewing party, that sort of thing. Um, you know, it, it is a reasonable beginning for somebody going in brand new. Um, I'm not sure it's the best beginning.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I I still kind of hold to what I I kind of grudgingly agreed that the gathering was the way to go. Certainly for our rewatch, um, because we're going at this. At Babylon Five, as completists, we want to see mm-hmm. the whole story. We want to see it build, and we don't want to read *The Magician's Nephew* before *The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe*.
2: Never do that. Here, here, don't. <laughs> never do, do, do that. Do Agree
0: with all of that, <laughs> but the it, the difference between in the beginning and the gathering is that in the beginning shows you what Babylon Five is like as a tv show in as, as far as the sweep of the four of the four seasons soon to be five um the gathering is tell is a really good illustration of what early season one babylon Five is like
2: <laughs> true mm-hmm. and i
0: think that it uh, i think that it appeals to more viewers than the gathering would and it's a it's a question of whether you're and i think we may have even said this back in back in episode zero if if you're if you're not sure that you're going to do babylon 5 if you're not committed to giving it an extended try in the beginnings your best bet Mm -hmm. if you're willing to sign up for at least a full season you start with the gathering because there are a lot of mysteries in that first season that are completely obliterated when you watch In the Beginning, correct? Mm-hmm. Very
1: true, yeah. Like, we know why Sinclair has a hole in his mind. Like, you see it happen.
2: Yeah, Yeah. And I guess that's, you know, part of like, you know, are you coming at this from uh, looking at the pretty, pretty visuals? Or are you more in it for the story? Um, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, depends on what you're more interested in. If you want story, you start at the actual beginning and watch as uh, Mm -hmm. authors intended. If, you know, you want the pretty, pretty visuals then you're going to lose your patience real fast uh, within with watching The Gathering first instead yeah. of in the beginning.
0: I'm going Clark to push possibly. back on that a little bit because uh, it depends on how you're defining story because I think in the beginning is a better story than The Gathering. It
2: yeah, but is, it, but it doesn't it fit with the world It erases your ability building. to
1: experience the story as intended.
2: That's it's like it. you said, it blows several of the mysteries if you want to be surprised. Mm-hmm. If you want to be surprised by what you are supposed to be surprised by, then you start with the gathering. Yeah, if so you take
1: I, each one, each each one by themselves, I think I think yes, you're right. In the beginning, is a better self-contained story than the gathering is a self-contained story. But if you if you're somebody who wants to experience the rollout of the story um, as a whole, then then yeah, you kind of have to go with the gathering because you're you're just torpedoing it with uh, with in the beginning a little bit. Yeah, Like
0: like Stephen
2: said, there's a reason we start with episode four hmm. instead of episode one.
0: (laughs) Some of JMS's justification for In the Beginning uh, was that he figured that the mystery of the Battle of the Line, the mystery of the hole in Sinclair's head, and he he didn't say this, but let's be be real here. Um, This is a story with Sheridan in as opposed to a story with Sinclair in. Um, If you Mm -hmm. want a bigger audience, you... You go with Box Leitner. But JMS's rationale was that those stories get discarded within the the first season or so anyway. And a lot of them are going to be out there in public knowledge anyway, although uh, that may have been overestimating the size of his audience on independent TV. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But he, he had all kinds of justifications for saying yeah. that well, you should start with this mm-hmm. one.
1: And I, I, I mean, I think I still think that it was a smart move. I think that it's great that they they produced it and created it because you definitely have a much better chance of sort of sweeping in some randos uh, who just met, ma- you know, might turn it on on TNT with this than you would with uh, with the gathering. And I think when you're talking about just, you know, syndication, you are really trying to sweep in new viewers. Um, Because, like, I can't even count how many shows I fell into in syndication simply because they were on every day. And, like, it just, oh, I just happened to catch this. Maybe I'm not paying that much attention at first. And suddenly, oh, I'm just, now I am suddenly a fan of, you know, whatever. So I think that, I think it was a wise thing to put something shiny and, like, eye-catching. Like, you know, hanging hanging it out. Like, you know, and all the viewers, like, magpies, were like, oh, that's pretty. I don't think you're going to get that, um... I don't think you're going to get that with
0: uh, right. the gathering. So, mm-hmm. but as long as you've got a spouse making you watch every episode new, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I want to point out some. I know
3: I, I'll, I'll, we'll get to the actual episode, I imagine, at some point. <laughs> um, I just find it. I find it fascinating hearing all your. Re, you know, Contemporary reactions at the time when this is airing and like doing like, you know, viewing parties and hoping that people were going to sort of catch on to this this show that you've always loved and hoping that a new audience will find this as it moved to a new network and sort of having this this TV movie to sort of like kind of explore the mythology, perhaps a little more than than the than the episodes that previously did. So and I'm thinking there are a great deal of similarities between this and the 1996 fox doctor who tv movie
0: very many
1: wow Mm -hmm. yeah uh
0: one last one last uh and this is this is totally a tangent and then we absolutely must start (laughs) talking about the episode itself but uh steven and erica which version or versions of the gathering did you watch
1: um, we started with the the TNT version, so like the first thing that we watched was the the re edited version with the Christopher Franco music, and we did go back and watch at least a, a, a f- the first I don't know fifteen minutes of uh, of the other version at some point much later. I don't remember when that was. Stephen, do you have any better recollection? <laughs>
3: No, I. we were just curious, I think. I don't remember when or why we about, did it.
1: I think it was more about the music. You just wanted to yeah. know what the rock guitars from Stuart Copeland <laughs> sounded like. <laughs> yep, so we weren't paying that much attention to the the what was on the screen.
0: Okay. So I want to call your attention, Stephen, to a moment that I'm sure Erica was hoping that you would miss, and I'm pretty sure that you did. Um, in <laughs> Thank the, you for your confidence in me. In the reedited, uh, in, in the reedited uh, version of the gathering, oh, okay. when yeah. Kosh when Kosh arrives for the first time, and actually when Lita is uh, scanning Kosh's mind and trying to find out what happened to Kosh and find out about the assassination attempt, she is seeing through Kosh's eyes and. There is the figure of Sinclair to shake Kosh's quote hand, close quote, and you hear Kosh's internal monologue go, "In Inteelza Valen. <laughs> yeah, no memory of that. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> so, by virtue of the fact that this re edited version of The Gathering aired after, uh, in the beginning, they slid into the 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 pilot that you watched for the first time Mm -hmm. uh kosh called sinclair Valen right then and there
1: (laughs) very very first episode i knew you weren't gonna i knew you were not going to pick up on that i had i had no worries whatsoever
0: no i didn't (laughs) even know what Valen was as a word exactly exactly and that is the point that is the point but oh the drama from uh, some fans over that edit
1: yeah, I mean, <laughs> what, it's fans just, dramatic. It's just like the no complications thing from Doctor Who all over again.
0: Mm. Okay, so there was actually a story here.
1: <laughs> there was. It was a good one.
0: Yeah. Well, let's 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 talk about it. Uh, framing device first. The fact that we are dealing with a old Londo and uh, and uh, cute kids and a handmaiden or whatever you call her uh, nurse. Um, and the framing story here is Londo just before uh, our flash forward from uh, War Without End, uh, just before uh, Dolin and Sheridan get brought before him and just before Jakar strangles him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, that is quite the bone for old fans. Not sure how, not sure what, exactly what new fans regarded, although our focus group seemed to think that that was kind of cool. <laughs> uh, but how did you feel about the framing device? Was it necessary?
1: I felt very, I was getting a serious princess bride uh, vibe <laughs> <laughs> because because you have, you know, somebody who is is uh, an older gentleman with a little bit of an accent telling a story and, you know, a cute little kid interrupting every now and then, asking if there's going to be kissing or, you know, whatever. Uh, so <laughs> I I liked it and I think, I mean, maybe that's me not giving enough credit to brand new viewers, but I, I thought it was smart to sort of take the viewer and lead them by the hand through all of this. Um, and, you know, what? even as an old viewer, I enjoyed it. I liked having I liked having Londo there to sort of put the pieces together. And, you know, because this is like Shannon said earlier, this was was kind of you know (laughs) fanficy filling in the gaps sort of a Mm -hmm. feel to it and that means that they're covering an awful lot of ground there's a huge amount of time to be covered and a lot of different disparate elements because they decided to try to squeeze in so many different members of the cast we'll get to my feelings on that um Mm -hmm. but because uh, because there are so many things being tied together i thought it was like you needed a narrator you had to have somebody telling this story because otherwise it would have just felt very disjointed so for me it worked
2: Yeah, I think it worked for me as well as um, as as someone who had seen Babylon Five up to that point, um, because uh, JMS manages to get in uh, the occasional character reference uh, about Londo's own journey. Uh, You know, Londo points out, you know that you know the the little boy has a much better answer to what do you want than he did. (laughs) Uh, Callbacks like that um, of things like that really helped. support the story as it was going along uh and the the only thing that kind of irked me was um just how strong the nanny's accent was compared to Londo's and the kids it's like you know I know that you don't have the that the Centauri don't have like this one specific accent uh in among the different actors but uh I found hers really distracting at this point (laughs)
3: lots of planets have a France. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> uh, well I, I, I thought that uh I, you know as someone who's only ever seen each episode basically once uh, um i actually found it it good as kind of uh you know both looks kind of a pilot but also just as as a refresher course of what has come before this i thought it kind of Tied it up a little, you know, sort of, sort of enhance the the main plot points of the show. I think so. I think even for for a returning viewer who had passed, perhaps had just been a casual watcher, uh, was was sort of able to catch up to it. So yeah, I, I was appreciative. Of it Because I was kind of worried that they would just sort of go in cold. Honestly, I had no idea what to expect. I had Erica load up the DVD menu uh, without me looking because I didn't know who was going to be in this. If it was going to be in the beginning. Was it going to be like back to like the beginning of season one and it'd be like a Sinclair episode again or something like that? Like I had zero clue as to what to expect.
0: So we go from we go from Londo to Earth We were told all along during uh, the old, during the old series, during the old series, God, it was only (laughs) a few years before, (laughs) we were told all along that Earth had hubris, Earth got too big for its britches, there was the reference to the Dilgar War, and after that, the humans just uh, got, expanded throughout creation, and we... We're told that the that the Earth-Mimbari War began with uh, botched first contact, uh, f- failing to recognize that gun ports open does not mean potentially you're going to die. It means we <laughs> respect you. Um, uh, so the first little bit of fanfic r- insert that happens here is that Londo, with a whole lot more hair, uh, was... It was on Earth and was a low-level diplomat back in the day.
1: Which to me that made perfect sense because you know he it, it's made clear over the course of the first season mm-hmm. that he's stuck on Babylon Five because Centauri Prime doesn't really care that much about Babylon Five and he's kind of a joke and you know he he says in the voiceover in, in, at the beginning that uh, that Earth is in a rather like uninteresting part of the galaxy and they never really paid too much attention to it until you know they had some curiosities and eccentricities and, and stuff like that so yeah Londo seems like the kind of guy that you would send to a place that is in an uninteresting part of the galaxy mm-hmm. and we, see, we even uh,
2: got that reference in uh first season with him and garibaldi talking about how the centauri at first tried to pretend that the humans were some long lost offshoot of of them and and londo seems to know all the details of that situation so it made sense that's true yeah,
0: yeah. uh Good to see our General Lefcourt back. Um, back, you know, supposedly looking a lot supposedly looking a lot younger himself. He's got a much redder head of hair now. Where, than where he is did. he from?
3: Because I asked Erica. I recognize him, and I can't tell if I recognize him from something else or an earlier episode. Uh, of season four, five.
2: he was part of uh, the Earth Civil War um, stuff. Yeah, oh, good. They, they brought him in to try and counter Sheridan because he knew Sheridan best.
0: Yeah, ah.
1: he was the one that at the at the end um, came in and saved, uh, saved Sheridan and all of them when the defense when they were
2: about was to ram to, the last um, of yeah. the
1: missiles.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, for the most part, I felt like uh, minor character casting was pretty good this time around because that uh, smarmy politician in the room with Londo and mm-hmm. left I thought that guy was pretty good, too.
1: Yeah, he looked like uh, a game show host slash used car salesman, but not, <laughs> in, but not in a cartoony sort of a way, but just in a way that like, yep, that's the kind of guy that I would expect to be in that particular political office.
0: Yeah. Now, there are a lot of uh, political butt of joke type characters in this episode, in this movie. Uh, Londo is one of them. And Lanan, the leader of the Rangers, played by Theodore freaking Bikel, yep. is the other one.
3: I totally recognize his name in the credits. Mm-hmm. I remember him as uh, Ivanova's um, rabbi from mm-hmm. whatever episode. Of. It's mm-hmm. funny. I, I, I don't don't ask me to explain why I remember what I do when it comes to <laughs> Babylon 5, but I remembered him. Yet I, I don't remember entire plot lines that happened in the show.
0: Yeah, so the Minbari, the Minbari subplot, and of course these plots are going to intersect in a big way. Um, one of the things I really like is and with so many episodes that they have to pick and choose from and assemble to help uh, fill out this story, because they're just not going to reshoot everything, is uh, they pulled a lot of older actors, actors from season one, uh, season two, season, you know, uh, to to round uh, to round it out. Uh, Robin Atkin Downs from *Atonement*, uh, which was the the reveal that Dolan cast the vote, the, the deciding mm-hmm. vote to really kick the war into overdrive, things like that. But uh, Theodore Bikel is just amazing.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep, he was he was great, and I, I had such a weird like frisson in my brain seeing the two of them together. And you've got Lenon with the On the Shock, you know, robes on, and thinking like, I mean, there's a lot of moments like this in this story because we know what comes after. But just thinking, she's going to be On the Shock eventually. She, you know, we're gonna see. We're going to see Delenn in those same robes or like, you know, same style robes, probably mm-hmm. not the same one. Mm-hmm. She's not quite the same size. She's a tiny person. Um, but just knowing that she is going to inhabit that office and that she has no idea at this point. It's just so far off. And, and she's such a different person, yet still the same. was That was really, really fun to watch.
0: And then Reiner Shane is back as Dukat, one oh of God, my yes. favorite characters in all of Babylon 5. And he mm-hmm. is so good in this one as well. Mm-hmm.
3: For what yeah, it's worth, just, I didn't remember anything about the la, uh, What were they called? On Le Shock? No, nope, no memory. The name of that. the,
1: that's the name of the leader of the Rangers. So Ranger oh, really? One. Yes. Okay. Yeah, they could have said Ranger One, but that would sound less Membari.
3: Exactly. <laughs> I suppose so. Yeah.
2: But but yeah, ha- having Ducat back and 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 having him just seeing more of what he is able to do as a leader and a politician uh, with this Gray Council that. You know, yeah, sure. Valen. you know, gave three voices, e- three equal voices. And, you know, well, that just causes a lot of problems. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, I was absolutely loving seeing his character come back and especially to have him and Lanon playing against each other at times. Like some of the, the facial reactions to mm-hmm. what was going on around them were just so perfectly timed and so well done.
0: Ducat like asking Kaplan if you know mm-hmm. if the warrior cast is afraid, <laughs> and uh, Lenon's just loving it. He's got that smirk going yeah, on in my notes
1: i have like in all caps so much shade in the, uh, <laughs> in the council chambers which i didn't even mean to be like that was not supposed to be a pun because there's almost no light in there but but seriously just like and and of course mike vehar doing a great job of, of lining up the shot so that you can see each face when it's important and and yeah between between lenon and ducat going back and forth and then kaplan that was that was amazing, and I I'm with you, Chip. I think that Ducat is one of my like favorite Babylon Five characters as well. He's just he plays everything so perfectly, and and I'm about to make an observation that the Erica of like six or seven years ago would probably be like, who are you? Who have you become? Um, in in my years now of podcasting with lovely people like Shannon and my uh and my Verity crew, um, I was never any kind of a shipper uh, in the past, but. <laughs> like I didn't pay attention to that sort of thing. I wasn't looking for subtle cues um for that that kind of thing, but I think
0: I know where you're going.
1: Yeah, seeing this like I love Delenn and Sheridan as a couple. I think that uh <laughs> that Mary Ferlin and and Bruce Boxleitner have great chemistry on on screen, but I th- feel like their chemistry on screen is is like the candle next to the star. When you look at the... <laughs> the, the <laughs> thank you. Uh, when you look at the chemistry of Delenn and Ducat here, I am super 100% convinced that Delenn was head over heels in love with Ducat, uh, which, you know, maybe not the, the the greatest kind of relationship. I'm not saying that it was ever consummated or that Ducat um, would have, you know, taken it to that level, but I do feel like they had those feelings for each other, and that's a big part of why she was just so out of her mind and saying, kill them, kill them all. Because that was, that was not maybe the reaction of somebody who just lost their mentor. That was the reaction of somebody who lost the most important person in their life.
0: Well, you know, um, head headcanon accepted yeah. because I'm, I'm, <laughs> there's a hell of a parallel then there with La- with Lanier and Delyn. So,
1: mm-hmm. oh my God, you're right. I hadn't even yep. thought about look that. Look what
0: you did. Look what you did, Erica.
1: <laughs> oh, no. I'm on board with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: I'm not saying anything. I didn't mm-hmm. say anything then, and I'm not saying anything now.
3: <laughs> so good. Reference I'll... acknowledged.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so we got we got Minbari stuff. We've got human stuff. They're going to have to intersect at some point. Uh, we get some uh, borrowed footage from Atonement and from the... Um, A late delivery fr- from Avalon? Yeah and in the yeah that's right uh, mm-hmm. we didn't get a special guest appearance by Michael York credit at the uh, in, in, in the end credits but there mm-hmm. i guess there should have been one that was an interesting uh, drop in. I wonder how but, expensive it was.
3: There were a couple of uncredited cameos from what I t- could see. About, yes, we, will get, we'll get to, we will get you? to her. We will get to her.
0: Cuz I have questions. <laughs> uh so we were told how the first contact went and then we are shown it. Um and um you know, it's 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 pretty grim. It's yep. uh yeah. Uh, what did you I all could- think of that?
1: I, I before we we actually talk about that, I want to talk about what came before the first contact situation. That we get this sort of retcon scene where Sheridan is asked. To come and be first officer on the mm-hmm. ship that's going to go out and be in uh, Mimbari space or toward Mimbari space, and he turns it down because he's he doesn't feel comfortable about a leaving you know because he's loyal, even you know young Sheridan just as loyal as old Sheridan. Um, he doesn't want to leave his old ship and his his boss, but he also doesn't feel comfortable with the guy who's in charge of that ship because he's kind of a kind of a loose cannon. So I'm I'm wondering if this is on purpose, but there is definitely a subtle implication that if Sheridan had taken that post as he was asked to, the war would never have happened because he would have actually stood up and made sure that this didn't go down. So the entirety of the series of Babylon 5 could have been wiped out of existence with one tiny little change there in in, uh, Sheridan's Sheridan's mind.
2: Yeah, we're certainly meant to think that. Uh, I don't know for sure that it would have happened. Uh, We're talking about, you know, Sheridan moving from one first officer position to another and under, you know, this guy that I think Sheridan would have argued more. I I have a feeling Sheridan would have still lost the argument, but you I know, think, but I, I think, think we're supposed probably, to think it. We're, I we're, think we're supposed to consider right.
0: It. But yeah, it, Captain Jankowski's first officer didn't really stand up to him very well.
1: No, and he said, oh my god, I wonder if they're going to try to, you know, capture our ships for the same reason. Like, he's basically egging him on by the end.
3: <laughs> I, I like that I, at, It wasn't until that moment When they sort of Like the, with the um, You know the Mimbari Ships showing that Their their guns were Not loaded So to speak Only then Did I realize Where What was actually Going to be happening In this movie Like I didn't I didn't really have a sense Of where the timelines were In regards to The start of that Earth-Minbar war Um and the events of of, um, of in the beginning, so it was that was a great moment for me. It was like, oh, we're covering this bit there. This is exciting. <laughs> so yeah, that kind of that brought me right into the. I wasn't like drifting or anything like that. But but that, that moment and that realization brought me into the movie.
0: Yeah, the only thing that we're missing in this uh, movie uh, from this interchange, and we did get a bit of it in um, in Atonement. From which many of these uh this footage was taken was the appearance of soul hunter ships, but mm, that's right. yeah a, a, as j m s yeah. says online, adding five or ten minutes to have to deal with soul hunters uh that would not have been a great uh, marketing tool no. I've already forgotten plus, who the soul hunters were. <laughs> I have a song about them if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The uh, the other thing too is that um, Londo, as our storyteller, wouldn't even necessarily know about the Soul Hunters, so right. it makes sense to leave that on the cutting room floor, so to speak.
0: Sure enough, uh, so so that goes poorly. <laughs> yeah. Well, well put. And we start having the and and the War starts and. Uh, General Lefcourt and General Fontaine have the least inspiring morale speech you ever saw. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Side note, they really push video compositing as far as they possibly can in this movie. Uh, So many uh, digitally augmented crowd scenes, so many virtual sets. Um, I think that they tried just a little too hard, at least to modernize. (laughs) What do you think, Stephen?
3: I appreciate uh, attempts to sort of make things look bigger. Um, so I wasn't, you know, I, most of this movie, from what I could tell. I mean, there's there's no actual Babylon Five standing set. So basically, they're making entirely new sets for the entire thing. And for a show that didn't have that much of a budget, I'm I'm okay with them sort of cutting corners a little bit, especially to make those fancy doors on the Mimbar spaceship. Um, I was a okay for the, for that being digital so i i will i will suffer the odd um dodgy looking crowd scene for really cool looking
0: doors essentially is what i mean <laughs> to say okay uh so as uh, everybody breaks uh breaks off from this inspiring uh, inspiring speech of uh, just how likely it is everybody's going to die um that is when this random pilot ganya avanov um <laughs> is introduced so that he can be introduced to a, a character who is completely uncredited.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and with short hair.
0: And with short hair. And trying yep. to look like a teenager.
1: <laughs> Welcome
2: to the first of the shoehorns.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I, honestly, I thought that was a great scene. I thought, uh, I mean, not a great scene overall, but her performance, especially at the end, you know, watching him walk away, I was just like, "This is a first-rate performance from Claudia Christian." Damn it! <laughs> like that mm-hmm. was my thought. Yeah, but it didn't. It didn't feel like it added anything to the the story.
0: It it doesn't really. Uh, we get that, it, and it feels like it's. We knew from the first season that her brother died in the Earth-Mimbari War, and that she f- followed him into the military against her father's wish. And this scene just sort of only exists to give Claudia Christian something to do in the story and to retell that story. Mm-hmm. Steven, so, do you have a question? Yeah, I do. I have many questions. Um,
3: one, I thought that Claudia Christian had left the show and perhaps there it was not the most... Um, pleasant of departures, so her inclusion in this was surprising to me. The fact that she didn't interact with anyone also, and wasn't credited, like I was almost like, is there a contractual obligation going on here? Is this like uh, Suzanne Summers appearing via phone for a few of those episodes of Three's Company after she was written <laughs> like out of the that. show?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's not quite that because again, these movies were produced even before fifth season was given a green light and they were trying to make sure that everybody came back for it and claudia declined to come back for that fifth season so these were lined up first and uh it's not a it's not a germane spoiler for me to tell you that the other movie third space um which was produced before this one um and we'll be tackling next time um claudia christian has a much bigger role in it and it is and is fully credited oh Interesting. So, I, my sense is mm-hmm. that she was not. That, you know, we're we're in the lead up to her decision not to return for the fifth season, and she's really not happy happy with the amount of screen time um, that uh, she's that she's given in this story. And so, I, I, I don't. I don't even want to be credited. Um, wow. There was also something that I read about. Um, about she may have even demanded to be sort of inserted a little bit that uh the re- the thing was you've got all of these other actors pretending to be 15 years younger why can't i
1: <laughs> okay
0: interesting well
3: don't tell me whatever you do don't tell me if she has shorter hair in third space, because I want that to be a surprise for myself.
0: <laughs> I will protect you from that knowledge, Stephen.
3: Okay. I have another question, uh, and forgive me if this was actually covered in the show in the past, but um, um, that the character is Susan Ivanova, but their name is Ivanov in this scene. So where did the missing A go?
2: That's Russian linguistics. Mm-hmm. He's a guy, oh. so he's Ivanov. She's a girl. She's Ivanova.
3: Oh, is that a fa- okay? Yep. Yeah, it's I didn't a thing. know them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh.
0: the no, that uh, other
2: and the again u- clashing accents. I'm sorry, their brother and sister. <laughs> why? Why does he have that thick Russian my, accent and she doesn't? She
1: was in school, and so my thought was she's yes. she's been in school in um, in a place that speaks speaks English, and that she just zapped up the the accent very quickly
3: she telepathically zapped it up
1: (gasps) ooh (laughs) had cannon accepted there we go
0: there we go there we go there we go Claudia Christian um, actually wore only one earring for family purposes in memory of someone and that was added to uh, Susan Ivanova's character just never really explained until this movie happened so I never noticed yep nor did I it's true it's true
3: wow. um vorlons yeah right those enigmatic bastards
1: steven was, <laughs> it was he was not happy when they appeared yeah he he collapsed a little bit on the couch shoulder slumping it was, oh, was poor a so they're yeah. gonna, oh
3: they're gonna say something i don't understand and then there's two of them that's what surprised me there was two of them and one of them gave his name and the other one didn't
0: because the other one's the bastard that we see in season four, the one who's so mean to Alita. Mm-hmm. He. Oh, it, it he is. Oh.
2: Yeah, they use the, the same two Vorlons that we've seen forever and ever are the same two. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So that was Kosh and Other Kosh, which uh, all, mm-hmm. other media called Old Cash, and uh, JMS refers to him as Old Cash in the Lurker's Guide. Um, so um, I. I think that it might have been a little harder to sneak a couple of Vorlons onto not one, but two Grey Council ships. I'm just saying, <laughs> but it was nice. And it, it, I like the enig- enigmatic Vorlon stuff. Okay. So me sue too. me, Stephen. So sue me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Like they they said, uh, the truth points to itself, that line. And Stephen was just shaking his head. And I was just like, I don't care. I like it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, so... In in atonement back in season 3, we knew that D'Lynn was not thrilled about her impulsive decision to escal- to 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 basically start the war. Um in this movie we find out that not only did she have an attack of conscience, but the Vorlons told her, "Well, you screwed this up. We need the humans fix this." Duh. <laughs> So that's a bit of a that's a bit of fanfic retcon stuff going on there as well to just try to make all of this stuff fit in, Mm -hmm. which brings us to another bringing a character to in to just fit in everything. Um, We've got to get everybody to meet the new doctor. So all all these new audiences who are going to be tuning into Babylon 5 for the first time. So let's check in on Stephen Franklin. Who we were told was uh, had uh, refused to turn over his medical information about the Minbari during the war. Um, I believe it was Shia Leet, no, no, uh, whatever her name is, the um, the poet back in the first season mm-hmm. who really appreciated him doing that. Or, or maybe it was a conversation between him and Delin. Uh Anyway, mm-hmm. we were told that in first season, so we get that performed for us again and it turns into an opportunity for sheridan and franklin to meet well before season two of babylon five too much
2: i i don't think it was too much to at least introduce steven's character um it you know, it it didn't take more than a few lines of of him and the general shouting at each other to establish that Stephen Franklin is a dreamer, Stephen Franklin is an idealist, and Stephen Franklin is going to stick to his morals as he sees fit. And boy, um, he's got a temper. And uh, mm-hmm. as far as showing us that character in a snapshot for any newer viewers who are just now getting into the show, that worked perfectly. Um, what did not work perfectly for me was the idea that Sheridan and Franklin and Jakar are, you know, on this happy little adventure together trying to um, trying to meet with uh, Lenon and stop the war. Because, of course, there's nothing in season two to show us clearly that um, Sheridan and Franklin and Jakar had known each other before. Yeah, And that's, you know, that is the other shoehorn for me. It's like, I get what you're trying to do, JMS. And apparently, on the Lurker's Guide, JMS claims that he had always thought that Franklin and Sheridan had met before. um, But for whatever reason, he didn't throw any dialogue or anything in to show it clearly
1: as he Mm -hmm. started season two.
2: There's, there's nothing to
0: contradict it but No, right. but, there's but there's nothing there's a difference to
1: support between, it. between having met before and being through a harrowing life-threatening almost died together
2: right. experience. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I, me I as mean as if yeah. I get
2: dragged onto the enemy ship and, you know, mm-hmm. and get told I'm about to be executed, you know, just for this, you know, last-second reprieve because I'm, you know, giving the countersign, I'm going to remember that.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like trying to shoehorn Boba Fett into all the prequels and the and the special edition Star Wars <laughs> movies. You know, it's like, oh, he was everywhere all the time. How about oh, it's, that?
0: It, it's worse than Boba Fett. It's Jabba. It's Jabba in the special yeah. edition episode yeah. four. Yeah. There we um, go. Okay.
3: Can I point out though, just before I move on, that because now his scenes are over, but the general who is of course standing at the side on that one like uh, pep talk, and then in that shouting match with Richard, he is one of my favorite things about this entire movie. I thought he was just <laughs> He's so actually
0: really good. Good. He is really,
3: yeah. really good. He was such a great performance, such a natural performance at the shouting match and the rhythm that they had, like always interrupting each other and yet shouting over each other. That was like perfect. I was like, wow! And then that was the last we ever saw him. It was only two scenes. He was great.
0: He's possibly the most military actor we've ever had on Babylon Five.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, not yeah. like showy like that, uh, like that guy in the um, in the in the penultimate episode of season four either. You know, mm-hmm. the one that Erica really mm-hmm. hated. Um, yeah, this guy was a genuine
0: guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Speaking of great performances, though, I I know he's shoehorned in, but Andreas Katsoulis is so good as Jakar because it is such a flashback to the way he was right back from the beginning. He just inhabits old Jakar perfectly. He mm-hmm. does,
1: and I have. I, I would like to agree with Shannon that just having you know Doctor Sher- Dr. Sheridan or Dr. Doctor and Doctor Franklin appear and it sort of introduce that character is fine, and I have no problem with with Londo as we said being on Earth as as the ambassador or their their connection to the uh, government of Centaur- Centauri Prime. And I also have no problem with Jakar appearing, like, to try to sell them weapons because we knew that that uh, that they had mm-hmm. sold weapons to to the humans. And sure, why not have it be Jakar? I mean, maybe that's a little bit of a stretch for you know a member of the kari to be. Maybe uh, he's not a member yet. Oh yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Um, but uh, but so I have no problem with that, um, and I do love we get it you know getting jakar he's trying to recruit sheridan just the same way he was trying to you know get uh lita's dna mm-hmm. in the very 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 first thing that we ever see um so super good job at old school jakar i just wish it was against a different character i just didn't want him bonding sort of with uh, with sheridan in that way mm-hmm.
2: well yeah because again there's nothing to contradict but there is nothing to support that mm-hmm. they went through this together
0: yeah so. Well, speaking of shoehorning, we've got to talk about there along a the crowded hallway. Sheridan, yeah. and we DeLynn. have to? Yes, we do.
3: Fine. Fine. <laughs> this is the day that I decide to wear a cloak that con- conceals my entire face.
2: Yeah, there, there's that. Um, and she's not really looking at these two Earth people. Her plan has just fallen to, to shreds. I, I am. This is the shoehorn I am most okay with if it had to happen. Uh, because you know circumstances being what they are, I can more understand more that that she did not pick up on on Sheridan and of course Sheridan did not pick up on who she was.
1: Mm-hmm. I just I, I just get so frustrated about this. Like why why was it why was it needed? Why was any of that? So this needed? is the
2: point where the eager fanfic author is showing their hand too much. There's the fanfic (laughs) author who understands balance, and then there's the fanfic author who wants to put everybody together.
1: Yeah, I, I think that that makes sense because I mean the 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 one kind of interesting thing which I also don't think is is necessary is the idea that Lando is guilty about his part in this because mm-hmm. it was actually the Centauri uh, ship that came in and blew them out of the water and neither side ever knew about it uh, so the fact that neither side ever knew about it means that it's not really important to the story it's just a little bit of extra seasoning I guess to mm-hmm. give us something new in this movie so which is fine and it it again that doesn't contradict any. That we have already known, mm-hmm. and it gives a little bit more weight Pathos. to all of the yeah. guilt that that is on Lando's shoulders as a character. Like he needs more, poor Lando. Um, yeah, but
0: for the people who are watching in the beginning, cold.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep,
0: I think that that's actually a good character bit for Lando. Um, yeah, further further and, illustration and a, and a that this is a guy who makes too. bad decisions. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. and a world building bit too, because mm-hmm. yeah, the idea that you know anything the Narn do, the Centauri are going to try and screw it up. So, mm-hmm.
1: and but I feel like they could have had any one of those characters be the one to do it. I mean, I feel like for me, it would have worked best if it had been just Doctor Franklin. Like, this is your punishment for not, uh, for not sharing your your goods with us in the military, and that would have made mm-hmm. his one scene, which was so great with that other guy, uh, not feel like it was out of nowhere and disjointed. Like, have him be the one who is mm-hmm. sent off on this dangerous mission because you know he's expendable, um, and. And then we, you know, why you don't need to send Sheridan along? You don't need to send Shakar along with him. That would have been fine. You still get the extra seasoning and pathos. But but no, had to put it all together. And then because you're putting all that stuff together, why not just add Sheridan and Dolan being in the same room at the same time? I that's the that is the one piece of this that sticks out like a sore thumb to me. That seems completely, completely. Actually, no, I take it back. There are two. But the other one is related to this. It's at the very end where the kid asks, well, what about Sheridan and Delen? Why would he ask about just those two people with yep. their names together? Because and then you have Londo saying, oh, they did all this much. You know, did, he, Sheridan did all of this with Delenn by his side, which is phrasing that just thanks. <laughs> um, but, yeah. but which, you know, that's that's not going to make any sense to the kid either. Maybe maybe we just say Londo is old and doddering, but I'm still mad yeah. about why the uh, kid asked it that way.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's the JMS disease. As with uh, the deconstruction of falling stars, he he really does think that this is the story of Sheridan and Dolan, and he's mm-hmm. really sort of driving it home in that last moment of weakness, uh, and which which and then of course firmly places this in continuity as just before that scene in War Without End. Um, the one thing I'll say about uh, Sheridan and Delin at the be- at, at that being in that hallway is that I think JMS wrote himself into a corner who's the only person who knew that lenon was on this mission delan yeah. mm-hmm. who's the only person who could have who who could have who Sheridan could have delivered the countersign to to mm-hmm. get himself out of trouble DeLynn. DeLynn. Yeah. I think that there's just without other characters having been introduced as part of this. Uh, Dylan's conspiracy. Maybe a baby Lanier... No, Lanier met her for the first time in season one. No. Minute, or they stuck. could have just
1: chosen to have the Narn be the ones to save them instead of the Mimbari. You know?
3: Or perhaps they could have just had, you know, I think it would have been neat having, you know... um Sheridan say oh i know i know it was what he was saying to me or something he yells it to an aide or something and then the aide goes in and tells Delen this and then we mm-hmm. see her reaction to it or something like that and they never actually mm-hmm. meet in the first place
2: mm-hmm. yeah that would
1: have worked uh well
0: mm. Mm. oh uh so that goes poorly mm-hmm. this is this is a recurring theme in this movie that goes poorly not that the <laughs> movie is poor but that you know bad things happen because we've got to get our we've got to make our way to the battle of the line we have the we have the dramatic uh, narration of the two years of the war which is really really stunning musically mm-hmm. um, over the top computer graphically I don't know that w- there could be that many ships in one place uh, I think that they'd be sideswiping each other all, all, all over the thing they're but
1: really they're really good ships chip <laughs> okay
0: um, noted um, I also uh, the the red sky backlit uh minbari uh and human soldiers fighting bit is just Mm -hmm. really effective that is Mm -hmm. taking the big the 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 big sweep of the story and just bringing it down person to person and i thought that that was really powerful and like i said before that was that was the moment when i thought that most of the uh mundanes watching uh with us at the viewing party back in 1998 i think that was when they took the most notice Mm they are they are indeed yeah
3: and
1: it's at some point during this uh, right around in here the the kids and the the nurse or the
3: nanny finally get to sit down which I appreciated I was really worried about that like I'm going to tell you a really long story stand there awkwardly children
1: He's the emperor, though. That makes perfect sense. You're used to people standing in your presence. You probably he probably didn't think about it until much much later. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and then we get to the Battle of the Line. He said breezily, um, uh, uh, "A pretty powerful scene with the with the president." Uh, yeah,
1: this time we had a good president.
0: Oh, she was great. Yeah. Hmm. mm Hmm.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean that was that was that like I was like, now that is an Earth President speech. I would like I actually teared up kind of a lot at that point. <laughs> and it was
0: yeah, I was
1: I was just oh my God, she's so good.
0: And then while Jeffrey Sinclair appears. Right. Uh and it's a it's a mashup of footage from so long ago shot so much darker than uh than everything that was shot from season two on um so we've got that old looking footage mixed with what appears to be fairly faithfully reconstructed but upgraded um graphics for the battle of the lion sequence um i don't -hmm. think that they reused that old footage i think they redid it um and that is that's a little that's a little odd because the footage from Points of Departure where Delin and Kaplan, you know, they're, they're sort of talking about how brave they are and is this just desperation. These lines just seem sort of out of place after all of the other things that these actors have been doing all mm-hmm. episode. But this the Battle of the Line stuff is stuff that we saw kind of over and over again in um, in season one. Uh, we had the audio played back in the TNT version of The Gathering uh, where, where Sinclair narrates what happened and then you hear background audio of the same lines being delivered and the same stuff going on. Um, this whole movie is basically leading up to the Battle of the Line, which we were told all about in, and, and saw portions of in season one. Is it a proper climax to the movie?
3: Yeah, I think so. I loved, I, I actually went, ah, when uh, when um, Sinclair <laughs> appeared on screen. He um, did, it was cute. <laughs> yeah, because I, I was, I, for some reason I thought perhaps the whole movie would be about him, um, but of course it wasn't, and then I was wondering if they would use a cameo, if they would actually get him in. Did he Did he shoot any actual scenes, or was it all archive footage? None
0: whatsoever. Oh. Special shout out to the poor sap who got to be his back <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yep. on the rack. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't remember the rack scene, I have to say. That's what I thought. Maybe they shot one scene of him basically tied to this rack. But that was also from a previous episode?
1: Mm-hmm. Some of it was, yeah.
3: Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
1: the stuff of yeah. them behind him, like huddling and, yeah. and talking about what it means, that was the new part.
0: But uh, and, the stuff and what in front they're going to have to do to wipe his mind and all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No,
3: I thought that was great. I thought I really enjoyed it. Although, if you don't know who he is. If you're going into that movie cold and all of a sudden they're giving this, you know, a lot of attention to this one, um, starfighter pilot who's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, suddenly shouting orders and getting captured and everything. I think perhaps that was a little, but I mean, they were kind of, they had their hands tied. They couldn't really shoot any new footage with him. So, so, but, mm-hmm. but with, they did great with what they did with what they yeah, had. And
2: JMS right. did his best to, to sort of tie it in because we have in the Membari half of the early in the, because we have early on in the movie in the Mumbari parts uh, some discussion about Valen and a thousand years ago, so you know the name Valen shows up enough that um, even if you're even if you're new to Babylon Five at this point, you've been given enough information to realize okay, hey, this is important.
1: So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although the the one thing that I was kind of confused about and I still am is uh is the way that they. You know, all the way through, we've been hearing about how Minbari souls started to be born into human bodies. And then here we have, um, you know, and we'd also heard, you know, the child of Valen thing. Mm -hmm. And here we have it referred to as it's not just he's a child of Valen. It's Valen's soul specifically has been Mm -hmm. reborn into his body, which, of course, we know that's not the case. It's actually just Valen's damn soul. But Mm -hmm. uh, but. That's their only explanation at the time. Yeah, I felt like it was that was that was a little bit of retconning as well. If it would have just if they would have just said you know and he is a child of Valen or he has some of Valen's soul or something like that because it also glowed for Delyn although I guess in kind of a slightly different way. But yeah, yeah, I think it, I think it was it did, on the nose. It was on the nose.
0: Yeah, I, I think it did glow in a certain in in, in a different way, but um, um, yeah. Yeah, you're you're right. Maybe they didn't have to go that far.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, too much, too much. Fanfic writer. <laughs> <laughs> Although, to be honest, like i i I have trouble using the term fanfic in a anytime it's the the actual like auteur and author. I know, but I'm thinking me. in terms also, of. Yeah, but also in terms of just like uh, anytime you kind of go over the top or you fill in a gap that you think fans are going to want, mm. it smacks so fan of service. being slightly, um, slightly not quite derogatory, but just a little bit like you're doing it for the fans instead of for for the purposes of the story. And I think that most of this is per- just for the purpose of the story. So mm. I, I, yeah, I, so fan service, I guess a bit. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, it basically shows I, mm-hmm.
3: that that humans are not uh, adept at, at doing time travel because you know no, there's no indication that they would actually be able to stand by and watch history take its course without doing a little thing here or there just to serve their own purposes. And that's what <laughs> prequels show. There's always mm-hmm. a moment where oh well, yeah. they're just right there. Let's just have them meet or something. It'll be fun. And then yeah, the butterfly effect and everything is ruined.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and I, and I think some of that is just you've got these you've got these actors who represent the show you've got to find a way to get them together not maybe not so much because wouldn't it be so cool but i've got to this has to be babylon 5 this is my one shot to get lots and lots of people to watch babylon 5 who never knew it existed before i've got to put my i've got to put my pieces in place i think that was a strong bit of motivation Mm -hmm. there yeah. I was not offended by
3: by much of anything when it came to that apart from perhaps towards the end I was a little mystified. But
0: so the and and that is and that is essentially the end of the story. We are set up to where the decision is made to start the Babylon project, Babylon 1. We get we see it begin to be built and of course that that was sabotage attempt number 1. Um, it took them a while to get things right. Um, <laughs> and that won't be explained until I, I think I've, I really do have to go back to that viewing party. Um, and even though, you know, people had been sitting in my apartment for a couple of hours now and they were ready to call it you know, I sat there throughout. I, I did, I did say goodbye to my guests at commercial breaks, but I did sit there through in the beginning and go straight into the gathering. And it was kind of wild to have this movie end with Michael O'Hare coming out of nowhere. And then boom, we start the gathering and there he is as commander of the space station. It is kind of weird and cool. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: I, the fact that, she, you know, Dylan says, I'll you know, keep an eye on him one way or the other or something. And then there they are together on a space station that it, you know, it does flow pretty nicely.
0: Confused the hell out of my ge- uh, guests, though, when uh, Dylan showed up on in, in, in the gathering and oh, her, her no. makeup is completely different. Who's that mm-hmm. supposed to be?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah.
0: What you, there's only so much you can do.
1: Yeah, Right.
0: And then Londo toasts uh, Delyn and Sheridan, as we said before, this is right before uh, that big scene in War Without End, and fade to black on a not entirely triumphant note. And that is how In the Beginning ends. Uh, we've basically pulled an an incomparable episode here and gone pretty much sequentially through the plot. (laughs) So I want to wrap things up by just sort of final thoughts and observations and questions uh, from Stephen. I'm I'm sure if the the others of you have questions, we can certainly go for those as well. Um, There were,
3: as I, I think I probably said, there were, things that I really remembered for some reason, um, like little things, like I immediately recognized Michael York and remembered his episode and this whole storyline by his, you know, one second insert into this thing. And yet at the very end, I had no memory of the flashback of of um, Sheridan and Delenn being held captive. And so I was puzzled by what was going on that whole last um scene essentially i thought is he are those the prisoners or is he just watching tv now because you know as <laughs> as as we saw on the very previous episode uh or the one previous to that mm-hmm. um <laughs> londo likes to spy on Sharon and, and <laughs> um, your car. <laughs> so perhaps he just kept doing it for 20 years who knows yep. um but uh, I, I I I liked it. Uh, uh, I really loved Fehars' direction so much. There were some shots in there, like <clears throat> you know Lando's introduction, where he's you know uh, obscured by shadow, and it sort of comes out, and we see it's old uh, Lando. And then even we, um, I, I like that it's mirrored in um, Jakar's introduction, where there's times where he leans back in the shadows, mm-hmm. and there's literally like barely any light at all going on in the screen until he quickly Mm -hmm. lurches forward and we can see him again. Uh, It was really well directed it needed that sort of cinematic approach I think to sort of bring in people to to sort of show this as not just a TV series but just sort of a wider universe. I think it sort of had to exist outside of its TV boundaries I think for for this to to work and I I think for the most part it kind of did so I don't know if there's any questions in there do I have any other questions? I'm not sure if I did or not Dilgar. Did we ever heard about the Dilgar before? That's one thing that kind of threw me. Were, um, mostly
2: were... mentioned as just the Dilgar War, as like hu- humanity's first uh, big victory as they get into space. And then uh, there's one season one episode where we get a little bit more information because uh, one of the last surviving Dilgar is an evil scientist.
3: Deathwalker. Okay. Ah, put that put that up there with the stuff that I completely forgot about, but. Um... <laughs>
0: Death Walker.
1: <laughs> that's fine. You, you know, it's not like you're missing anything major. Okay, oh, I, I'm. I'm assuming you picked up the fact that these Earth people were cocky because they managed to handle the D'Ilgar and thought they could handle the M'imbari, and well, really, that's all you need to know.
3: Anyone named the D'Ilgar? Really? Come on. How, how much of a threat can they be?
1: <laughs> how dare you?
2: <laughs> we can make it go. <laughs>
1: Um, I have just a few final thoughts. The first is I, I kind of later in the discussion here remembered that we, while we have the framing device of Londo um, telling us this story, it actually started with um, not just voiceovers, but characters talking directly to the camera, to us. We have we have Delenn and Jakar mm-hmm. telling us things yeah. which felt very strange at the very beginning.
3: Actually, I forgot about that until now. I, I thought perhaps mm-hmm. they would have like tied that in at the end or something. But that Me just too. does seem kind of weird, doesn't
1: mm-hmm. it? Yep. So so that seemed a little bit strange and superfluous, I guess, to me. So I, I didn't really need that. Um, I also wanted to call out how much I love the sound design in the sequence where uh, Lenon is getting taken to meet the Grey Council. So like when he wakes up and doesn't see anybody and then suddenly there's bells and oh my God, it's these Grey Council messengers here with their, their pretty bells. I love That sound of Mm -hmm. just the tinkling bells, it's very ethereal, very kind of otherworldly. And then they go outside and they're enveloped in this light and the music suddenly sounds quite like the music from Dune, the David Lynch movie. I don't know if that was on purpose or if that's just me sort of, you know, drawing a connection that's not there, but it really sounded like to me that just that made it feel more epic and exciting, and that was, that was very cool. Uh, and last is a thing that just kind of made me laugh, which is, um, speaking of the Incomparable Network, uh, Joe Rosensteel from the Incomparable Network, one of his favorite things in the world, and I'm putting that in air quotes, is uh, when you have the computer displays projected on the faces of people. <laughs> <laughs> the way computers really <laughs> totally do everywhere, right? That's a thing. That's totally a thing, not a thing. So that made me laugh.
3: But I don't think um, anyone consciously emulates uh, um, David Lynch's Dune, for what it's worth.
1: Boo to (laughs) you! How dare you, sir?
0: Uh, Shannon, your Um, final thoughts about In the Beginning?
1: uh, I think
2: that it is a, um, potentially a, again, if you are not worried about having much of season one pre-explained to you, if you are not Mm -hmm. that kind of viewer or reader, then this You know, works perfectly well as a groundwork for getting into the show. Um, Something that struck me this time was um, that the fact that JMS plays fair or... um, doesn't forget to include nuance. Uh, we've made a lot about, we've uh, talked a lot about the arrogance of the humans as they, you know, think, oh, we've, you know, beaten this one race and we're just going to, you know, charge out. And, you know, what about these Membari? And they just completely ignore Londo. Um, and that brings up about their problems because the captain they send out to investigate is the personification of this attitude. Um, but on the other hand, the Mimbari. Are not blameless either. Uh, They are, you know, the ones assuming that you know they, of course, are morally superior and uh, militarily superior, that sort of thing. And yet they get blindsided by these humans because the warrior caste continues to do what it always does without even thinking about changed circumstances. So it's like, you know, there's no shining good guy. There's no evil bad guy. In this conflict. Um, JMS is careful to show just how messy and mistake-ridden, you know, how how these things can turn something that uh, could have been just uh, a misunderstanding into a conflict that killed millions.
0: It's a good episode. It's a good (laughs) movie. Mm -hmm. And it was the second Babylon 5 TV movie that was made as part of this block deal with TNT. The first one that was made is the next one that we will watch. And that's happening two weeks from now as we record this with Third Space, which is the uh, which is an untold story of Babylon 5. It's basically an insert uh, into uh, Season th- uh, into, um
1: season four right
0: season four it's, it's a season four insert just after the shadow war is over and done with uh but before earth gets into uh, before the earth civil war uh heats back up mm. something happened in between those incidents and we get to find out
1: about it next time
0: next time and it totally, it totally fits in, and there's totally nothing artificial about it whatsoever.
3: <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to have so many questions about this, too,
0: aren't I? Possibly. Possibly, possibly not. It's um, a bit more yeah.
2: self-contained.
0: Mm-hmm. It is a very self-contained story. Um, and that is a, that is as much of a spoiler as we will give you. Um, mm-hmm. Steven, it is always a thrill to have you on the Audio Guide to Babylon 5, especially when we're able to carry you through the entire length of the podcast. We didn't have to space you.
3: <laughs> I'm so excited. It's been how long has this podcast been going? Like what, three, four years now, and four I've years. never, ever heard the end of the podcast. So Three I'm, and a half
2: years, and now <laughs> you can listen to the entire one.
3: I'm relishing this. I'm relishing <laughs> this moment. I, I honestly didn't think this would happen until the very last episode. Um, so the fact that this happens early is a, is a big bonus. <laughs>
0: I don't know if we're going to have a spoiler section in the next episode as well. We're going to have to talk about that offline, uh, Mm -hmm. fellow co-hosts. You may get two in a row here, Stephen. Wow. Whoa. (laughs) Uh, Before we get into season five and we have to shut you up again. Put you back (laughs) in the box. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. I understand. So that was in the beginning. Next time it'll be third space you can follow us on Twitter at B5 Audio Guide. We're on Tumblr at B5 Audio Guide. Uh, please pipe up in the chat threads at b5audioguide.com. Thank you so much for listening to us this time. This is Chip and Durham,
2: Erica and Edmonton, and Shannon and Durham.
0: And you have been listening to the audio guide to Babylon Five.